Hello and welcome to the Becoming Your Highest Self podcast. I'm your host, Macy Renee, and we are going on a journey together, my friend. If you've been looking for a podcast geared towards your growth, self-awareness, navigating your brain's daily mind drama, and deep inner work to become your highest and best self, you are in the perfect place. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Becoming Your Highest Self podcast. I'm Macy Renee, and I am so excited to have you here, whether you're a brand new listener or a returning listener. Thank you so much for being here. Today, we have something super exciting, and that is the first guest interview on Becoming Your Highest Self. So I started my podcast in 2019. I have yet to to have a guest on here simply because of a lot of mind drama around how does that work? How do you do that? It's totally been the failure ahead of time problem, (laughs) failing before I had even tried. And I had asked for feedback and suggestions on what topics you all want to hear more of. And I had someone reach out and say, hey, have you ever discussed PTSD on the podcast? And I responded, no, I've never addressed that. I've certainly talked about people having traumatic experiences, but I've never actually talked about PTSD. Now, being that I am an occupational therapist with a background in the medical field, I felt that it was my responsibility to make sure that if I am talking about something serious that is a diagnosis, that I have someone in addition to me, that can address it from the clinical side. So I invited Lena, who is a dear friend of mine. I'm not even sure how we found each other now that I I think about it. I didn't even ask her on our interview, but she's a licensed clinical social worker. And I asked her if she would be my very first guest so that we could have an open dialogue conversation about PTSD. I think that you guys are going to really love her. She is amazing and I hope that you enjoy this episode. So with that being said... If you love the guest interview, please give me feedback. If you're enjoying this episode or after you listen, you enjoyed it, message me, connect with me on social media, connect with Lena. And also, I would love to ask that you snapshot your phone screen listening to the podcast and tag me on Instagram at Macy Renee underscore. You can find that in the show notes as well. Let us know that you listen to the episode so we can both see it and If everybody loves this, I'll have more guests on the show. So thank you guys so much for being here, and here we go. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Becoming Your Highest Self podcast. Today, we have the very first guest ever, which I'm so excited about. I have never done a guest simply because I thought that would be very difficult to upload. (laughs) And turns out it's actually simple. So today we have Lena uh, Suarez Angelino. I hope I pronounced that right and didn't butcher it. Yeah. Um, and she is a licensed, cl- licensed clinical social worker, correct? 
Mm-hmm. Perfect. Yep. And I actually had a request from someone who asked if I had ever talked about PTSD on the podcast and the answer was no. Um, But I think it's a very great topic because as a coach myself, this comes up for a lot of people. Trauma comes up a lot for people. And just, I was telling Lena this um, as we were talking and I asked her to be a guest on the show that I thought it was going to be very responsible to also have someone who is in the field of psychology who can kind of bounce ideas and say, you know, this is, this is maybe a no-no or this is how I would address this or how do you address this in coaching? So we're just going to have an open dialogue conversation and um, hopefully you guys will really enjoy this episode. So Lena, if you want to, will you just introduce yourself to my audience and let them know a little bit about you? Sure, Macy, I'm sure you already know this, but I'm probably one of your biggest fans. Um, I'm always you know, supporting wherever my schedule can allow me to be live or trying to watch replays, but it truly is an honor. And then on top of that, being the first guest, I really, really appreciate that. And um, really touched. And a little bit about me, obviously, right? You guys already know. My name is Lena Suarez Angelino. I am a licensed clinical social worker. I have my own private practice, which I'm doing primarily telehealth. Um, I did have a hybrid practice before the pandemic, but I have decided, I think, for my lifestyle and, and where I see myself moving forward, I think will be more of an online presence. Mm-hmm. And so stay tuned for that. But I enjoy working with teens and young adults, primarily with uh, stress and, and self-esteem, confidence, your anxieties, just trying to help people figure out and navigate, you know, where they want to go in life and, and how to build that confidence to do it right and to achieve it. And so and that's why I really appeal to the coaching realm of, you know, I personally like to work with coaches. Um, I've tried therapy and, and I enjoy it, but it it's not always hitting the mark that I'm looking for at the time. And I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit later too. Yeah. I love that. I love that you mentioned that too, because, um, for anybody that maybe doesn't remember, I started therapy when I was like six years old and did therapy for every bit of 20 years, you know, just on and off different. I mean, men, women, all, all races, ethnicities, like everything. Um, and it helped me a whole lot. And then I didn't even know the coaching realm existed until, maybe like, let's see, it was 2016. The first time I heard life coach and I was like, what the heck is a life coach? And my ego was just like, I don't need anybody's help, which is so funny because I had gotten 20 years of help. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> so crazy. So yeah. So I love that you said that you enjoy working with coaching because I think even people may have the perception she's a therapist. She probably only works with therapists. And so for you, that's not really the case. Right. And, and I think it, it depends on what you're looking for, right? You know, what are there those traumas, right? Are there those past events that you just really, they keep haunting you, right? They keep coming back for you. And so, you know, you might want to see a therapist for that just, just to get over the initial, you know, embodiment of the trauma or the, the, um, the reoccurring, you know, flashbacks that, oftentimes people with PTSD experience. And so, you know, it's almost like that, that behind the scenes work, right. That, that I don't want to say deeper work. Cause that, that that's not, cause I've gone deep with my coaches as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there is almost what you were saying in the beginning, that responsibility of just making sure, you know, what is within a coach's scope of practice. And then, you know, a, a licensed therapist 
um, scope of practice, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think it really is, what are you trying to to move over, right? And so if we think back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which I know is near and dear to your heart too, (laughs) you know, we can't move past the first two layers, you know, of, of, biophysiological needs, right? Our, our basic food, shelter, water, and then our safety before we start moving towards confidence and self-esteem and, and all of the other mm-hmm. higher realms. And so you, you, you want to use therapy to, to do that, right? Somebody might not be ready for coaching initially because there, there's too much of that trauma that's unhealed. Right. Yes. Oh my gosh. I so agree. Like I recently have had several consults actually with people who are thinking about coaching and in talking to them, you know, for anybody that maybe doesn't remember my background is in occupational therapy. So I think that kind of helps me in the coaching side a little bit because I do have that um, practitioner kind of scope of practice from, you know, different fields I've been able to work in as an OT. And there's been some key words that they have said in a consult where I'm like, "Mm, I think where you're at right now, it would be great to have support with a therapist if you don't already have one. And can I assist you in finding one, not saying you won't ever be ready for coaching and not wanting to make you feel like I'm turning you away from my services. I just feel at this time and space based on some certain things that maybe a therapist would be better to support where they're at, you know? So I think that is important. I think it is our responsibility, whether you're a coach or a therapist to just be very open and honest and not be, you know, like, I want to help every single person and be this hero because there are people better suited to help people through certain situations. And we have to know when to guide people to that better support system. And then of course, our doors are always open if, if, you know, if they need us in a different uh, way later. So Right. It's, it's really getting ego to, to sit down for a minute and <laughs> push ego aside and say, no, 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 <laughs> they'll, they'll come back or, you know, so someone else will, they'll be in better hands with somebody else. And not because we would want to ever intentionally do harm, right. And right. from a, a coach or a therapist perspective, but it's, there is somebody else out there that would be better suited, mm-hmm. right. That would, would be able to truly treat and, and, help them in the way that they're looking for. And again, because you offer that initial, you know, I can help you and, and lending out that hand, they will remember that they won't say they, you didn't just give them the cold shoulder of either a not responding to their, the email or the the questionnaire or anything, but also, you know, saying, Oh, I don't do that. You know, work with a therapist and see you never. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So, so people remember that. And I hope, that people are receptive to that. They might have a little bit of that resistance and that pushback of, well, I've already tried therapy. It didn't work. So I'm sure that that's common. I get that even when people start, start with me and it's like, okay, but every therapist is different. Every coach is different. So, you know, keep going, keep giving it a new try, a new shot. (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You make a valid point too, because a lot of times they, they are that way. And I, I sympathize, right. Because I'm like, yeah, I mean, I went to 20 years worth of therapists and counselors and psychiatrists and psychologists. And trust me, I get it, you know, and some were amazing and some made me run for the hills and question whether I wanted to continue. And then, you know, same thing though with coaches, it's not, it's like everybody has an energy that connects with someone else. And sometimes you do have to keep going until you find that person where you're like, I feel seen. 
I feel heard, I feel supported, and I feel like I'm moving forward. That's super important. So a question I have for you is just from your clinical experience and your field, how would you describe PTSD? Like what are some of the things you see coming up? Um, And maybe even some of the ways that you address that from your clinical side. A lot of the times, you know, it it stems from childhood, right? That naturally, right? Biologically, chronologically, right? Um, You know, a lot of traumas do come from childhood, whether that's even pre living on earth, right? (laughs) But, you know, like in, in the womb, right? There, there's some trauma, there's some research that shows that trauma, you know, even while, while a baby's in the womb, you know, um, is experienced. And then, you know, earlier years, right? And that's where certain treatment modalities are going to be better at at targeting some of those subconscious thoughts. And, you know, I I dabble with the idea of, you know, do I, because the the trainings are are intensive, right? Again, because trauma is serious, right? Mm -hmm. And I can't say, you know, what trauma is serious or not, it's your trauma, right? And so with, with anything, right, the person that you're seeing is going to be the expert of, of their lives, right? And so if they feel that it's a trauma, it's a trauma for them, mm-hmm. right? Even if I personally might not have perceived that situation as traumatic. Um, but I think a lot of it comes from childhood. And then, you know, I think environmental experiences as you grow older, maybe it's a toxic work environment or bullying in school or, you know, um, just internalized. May- maybe it's also situational. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are going to be fearful moving forward from quarantining for so long. And so I know anxiety has definitely increased. And so the, everyone who's, who's losing power now in Texas and, you know, so all of the current events that are, that are happening and, you know, so environmental, right. So there's, there's not one trauma isn't linear, right. Just like anything else, trauma isn't linear either. It can happen from five places or it can happen from one and it can still have the same amount of heaviness for you. Mm. So that you see it in in all different areas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that you said that too, because one of the things I noticed even like a few days ago, my husband and I went to the grocery store and I was like overloading my basket. And he, he was like, what are you doing? Why are you getting three bags of that? And he goes, I think we still have some at home. And I'm like, Cause I mean, when this happened in, you know, April, the grocery stores were empty and now there's a snowstorm coming and with COVID, you just never know. <laughs> so now that you say that it could be little minuscule moments like that, which is sometimes I tell my, you know, clients, like it doesn't matter how big or how small, when you have that strong emotional reaction, in addition with those thoughts that come swarming in. And it makes your heart palpitate and it makes your body kind of feel this anxiety and, and almost the shutdown panicked mode. Like that's, it's just exactly what you said is it could be trauma for someone. Like, you know, my husband could be like, I don't understand. I don't understand the fear, you know, and but it could be something as little as that of like, well, that made me feel a type of way months ago. And that's something I always have to keep reminding myself, even, you know, human to human coach or not that someone else's experience is valid to them. It's their experience. It's how they felt in the moment. It's how their body responded in the moment. It may make no sense to you or I, but it's just that it's real to them. It's very real and very traumatic to them. And we don't want to go comparing 
traumas, right? Oh, well, you know, this happened to me when I was five and that happened to, no, it's not a competition, right? Yes. And, and again, it, it, why, why even do that? Right. You know, there, there's something therapeutic about sharing trauma, you know, in a safe, sacred space and in a group or anything, but, you know, not blasting it all over Facebook. Right. But in, in a more private and whether it's led by a coach, led by a clinician, you know, um, and sharing, right. And so that you can hear how others have overcome traumas. Right. But we have to know that we're ready to hear that, right? We, we have to know if we'll be open to hearing other people's traumas mm-hmm. as well, right? Because that can also be re-triggering for people. And so, but we don't want to compare, well, that, you know, what happened to you was nothing compared to what happened to me. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Like every person's trauma matters. And so, you know, we, as the professionals, right? As a coach, as, as a clinician, we, re- we know that, right? Mm-hmm. But it's, you know, how does society remember that? How does society remind themselves? And that's, that's a whole nother topic of getting society. (laughs) I was getting ready to say, I'm like, man, that just like reinforces to me why teaching holding space is probably so near and dear to my heart because it, it like our ego comes in and tries to make other people wrong for what they're feeling because it's not what we're feeling. It's not what we're thinking. So we're immediately like, shut it down, cancel you out. This happened to me you should be okay. And it's just, it's so, you know, but on the flip side too, it's like either it's ego driven because it's like, we don't get it. We don't understand it. And again, also that coming from maybe our own trauma that hasn't been held safely in a space. And so now we need to feel heard like, yeah, you're talking about your trauma, but listen to mine, you know, because it hasn't been addressed. Yeah. There's so much there, right. We could probably do 50 episodes together, girl. We could start our own side podcast. There is a lot. (laughs) Totally open to it too, by the way. I love it. it. I'm sure people will want to hear you back. (laughs) It's so, so true. And, and, you know, when I think a lot of it, whether I I mentioned lots of thoughts are happening, but um, I mentioned earlier, right? There's certain treatment modalities that are going to target a little bit more of that subconscious embodiment of the trauma, right? So what happened, you know, EMDR is a really popular one and a really effective one. And that I always butcher the acronym for it, but it's, it's an eye motion desensitization um, using rapid eye movements, or mm-hmm. it's basically um, targeting both sides of the brain at different points, and you know, asking where do you feel that in your body? It, it's it can it's rather structured, which can be comforting. But it, and my understanding of it is is it doesn't you don't have to. I think a lot of people why they don't seek therapy or seek coaching or counseling is they don't want to rehash the past, right? They don't want to go through the traumas all over again. And that's a totally normal feeling and a normal thought. And so that's where I would almost recommend and try, you know, someone who does do EMDR or even something called brain spotting, Mm -hmm. which will also, you know, talk, it's almost more about the emotion that is felt, not necessarily the details of the event. And so, you know, um, there's also narrative therapy. So it's almost like rewriting that narrative for you and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, being able to reprocess it. There's, there is also something therapeutic about and uh, about being heard, right? So if it is through storytelling, through, you know, just sharing it multiple times and 
but again, you, you have to check in with yourself and, and professionally, we have to make sure that the client is ready for whatever modality is brought to them. Right. And I, I do refer out people who are, you know, heavily rooted in their trauma still, because again, I don't have those trainings in EMDR or brain spotting. And so I recognize that. And, and, you know, like you were saying earlier, it's like you, you're more than welcome to come to come to me, you know, later on or for another, another issue or go, go to coaching. But for now, I do recommend these things, right? I, I recommend a higher level of care, right? Or, or a different treatment that I cannot provide. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm okay with that, right? And people are receptive to that and they appreciate that. Mm-hmm. But I think at the end of the day, when we're working with people, and I would love to hear how a coach approaches this, but you know, it's, it's really a psychoeducation, right? It's, it's, it's validation, right? And it's psychoeducation. It's validating them and saying, you are heard, you are safe now. And, you know, I am here with you alongside you. And it's that psychoeducation of, yeah, all of that heightened awareness, that's that hypervigilance that you're feeling, right? Kind of giving them the words to, and, and defining what they're feeling for them, right? And normalizing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Actually, I was thinking, gosh, this is this is a conversation that brings up a lot of thoughts, right? Us having this conversation. Because by the way, guys, we did not pre-talk about all of this before. So this is truly real, raw happening as we have questions, as we have thoughts. It's a very organic conversation. And what was coming up for me was when you said that just now, I was thinking of how those 20 years of therapy, I don't know what I would have done without all of that, because hearing myself say things out loud from session to session to session really taught me like, what is really stuck in my body? Um, What do I, like, what am I having a hard time letting go of? What things am I thinking as I'm hearing myself saying this Mm -hmm. stuff out loud and the amount of weight that was lifted off of me at the end of every session, because clearly it was like festering in me. So being able to you know, expel it felt amazing. And then I think for me, like that, that like when I hired my coach in 2016, what was different for me was for the first time, like, you know, the therapist had always held the space for me and asked me how I felt. And, you know, they did ask me different questions at times. And sometimes they just sat there and held the space and wrote in their notebook, which I actually really liked because I felt like they were listening to me. <laughs> I'm like, I love that you're writing all this down. So you will not forget and have to ask me again next week. You're one of the few, I think, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, I really appreciated it. Um, but one of the things I noticed that was different about coaching was when I would go to bring up this thing that I had brought up 8,000 times with a therapist by the fourth time with my coach, my coach was finally like, okay, this is clearly a thing. And I want to bring attention to what you're thinking. And I want to bring attention to how it's making you feel in your body. And I want to bring attention to every time that you think it, you recreate that chemical in your body. Mm. And so it was like, how do you want to feel about this? Because you need to create a different thought to kind of bring you through it. Because every time we talk about it, you go to this same place. And I had never had a therapist obviously be like, yo, (laughs) take some responsibility here. You know what I mean? Which can be jarring. That's not going to be right for everybody. That's probably the people that hire a coach and they think they didn't hear me. They didn't see me. 
they didn't appreciate me, you know, which is not the case, but not everybody is ready for that. At that point for me, I had had enough of my own 20 years of repeating the same thing over and over and feeling like I was getting really nowhere with the trauma itself, other than expelling it and being like, huh, I was heard that that coaching moment of like, you're going to keep doing that over and over again, if you do not change your thoughts. And I was like, what? Yeah. Mind blown. Right? Yeah. I mean, my mind truly was blown. I was like, people can change their thoughts. What is this malarkey? What Tell this? me more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So and- it really helped. And I found that like in my coaching practice, it seems like there's a balance of both. Like I try to be stern when I need to be, but be gentle in that you know, I'm really listening to what's coming up when people are rehashing maybe traumas that have felt horrendous for them, you know? And that, I love that you, you already answered a question before I even asked it, which is so definitely the energy is there as we knew. Um, but if you hadn't had therapy for the, all those years and, and had enough space and enough time to air it out and to get it off of your chest Mm -hmm. even if it was just for that moment you know would how would you have responded differently right right? hearing that for the first time yeah or you know what the f you better go on somewhere and leave me alone (laughs) yeah yeah and so and that's why I think it is important for the person to check in with themselves and say how how distant is this trauma for me right now? How, you know, how, um, and not even timeline wise, but how distant is the memory for me, right? It, does it feel like it's super close to my body and my soul and my heart, or is it a little bit further away where I can look at it, you know, from a distance and I can feel it from a distance, or is it something like super raw and, and it feels like it just happened yesterday or even hours ago mm-hmm. that you might not be ready to hear, okay, I heard you. Now let, how do we change that thought about it? Yes. Right. So, you know, and, and I love that you have a combination of that, you know, and I, that, and really that is that definition of life coaching, right? It's pulling in <laughs> those life experiences and recognizing, yeah, it, it, people need to feel heard, right. In order for that healing to begin. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yes, healing is ongoing and it is a process, but for you to even start seeing change in people, we, you want to create that space. And I, on the flip side, on the reverse side, I think I was either a coach in a past life or I'm heading in that direction because (laughs) I'm, you know, I, from the multiple jobs that I've, I've held, I've seen clients kind of in that, that traumatic paralysis, right? Like Mm -hmm. they're just, they're still stuck in the memory or, you know, a lot of them are, are my, um, my clients that were chronic pain, patients. And so, you know, comparing how they, their life was, you know, pre the chronic pain and, and then, you know, how mobility is now and, and the limit limitations of mobility. And I'm sure you saw that a lot as an occupational therapist. And mm-hmm. so it's like, okay, I know I understand, but how do we learn to, to accept where we are now mm-hmm. so that we can move forward? Right. And I actually, I signed up for a training a little bit later this year using more of a solution focused um, modality, uh, a brief therapy so that it is like, okay, I understand. I hear you creating that space long enough, but capturing them still to where, okay, let's, let's get some momentum on this then. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you touch on anything that you feel 
would come up for someone, right? Where you're like, I think the direction is probably more therapy than coaching or vice versa. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, like, like how do you, how would you know the difference if one would be appropriate yeah, over like, the other? Yeah. And if it was the, per- like, if someone's listening to this right now, they've never had coaching, they've never had therapy and, you know, they're thinking is one or the other right for me. What would your perspective be on? Like, if you're having this, maybe even therapies the route or, or just some thought processes. Yeah. What initially comes up for me is I think everyone's goal is right. Their goal is to be over their trauma, Mm -hmm. right? That's what they're saying. But what is, what is their body language showing? What is their, you know, the other, (laughs) other part of us, right. (laughs) That is, is saying, Oh, we are not ready to do that. My friend, like, (laughs) don't go there. Don't, don't bring this up to anybody like this. Nope. (laughs) You know? And so I think maybe the way that I would probably, if someone blank slate has never done therapy, never done coaching, I would schedule a consultation with one of each, you know, and, and share, you know, I have some past traumas that, you know, I'm not, you don't, don't expect to go into the, the traumas on the consult, right. In detail, but, and then asking, asking the person, asking the professional saying, you know, how can you guide me with this? How can you help me heal from this? And, and in ways that, you know, can, can get me to move forward. Cause I think, I don't think anyone signs up for therapy or coaching that says, I want to make sure I remember my trauma and, and remember my PTSD every day. Right. Right. I don't. <laughs> and if yeah. you are, I would, I would love to talk to you and, and hear how that, that is working, you know, mm-hmm. and, and how that's beneficial for them. But I really think that the majority are going to, the end goal is the same. It's just, what's that path? And I really think it does circle back to how, how raw is it for me right now? Right. Cause listen, I cry in coaching. I've cried in therapy, you know, crying is, is my, my thing. Like that's what I do. (laughs) So, you know, um, you were saying, what were some of those, um, like those, those, those keywords or those, those red flag words that you were hearing that you were like, "Mm." yes. So a few different times I've heard clients say, like, I think of the ways that I would take my life every single day. And I'm immediately like, "Mm -mm, I've had suicide training as an OT. No, ma'am, no ham, no turkey, you know, like, you know, and being totally respectful of like the suicidal ideations, but taking those very serious that if that's your baseline right now, I am probably not the person that you want to be handling that with unless you are also working actively with that therapist, psychiatrist, whatever it is. Like I would feel comfortable working with them if they have an additional person on their team helping to monitor that, helping to work through that. But I I definitely feel hesitant when those types of keywords are coming up about them knowing exactly how they would do it, when they would do it, the times that they've tried and attempted in the past. You know, then my question, my brain almost shifts from a coach to the OT. And I'm like, okay, how long ago was that? How often do you do that? You know, uh, do you feel that way now? you know, how was this handled in the past? Have you ever been, you know, have you ever seen a psychiatrist? Have you ever been medicated for it? Are you currently, you know, and, and my brain goes that way. And usually at the end of that consult, you know, or something, cause we typically talk on the phone, I might respectfully say, you know, I think that 
coaching could definitely be in your future. I think that where you're at currently, whether they're working with a therapist or not, you know, it might be better to seek out something more like someone more professional in this arena that handles that. Um, especially because like, I think the big thing too, is that a lot of times what comes with those, um, like I'm, I'm thankful they open up and tell me that I really do. I, I know that that means that they feel safe enough with me to, to express that. And I honor and respect that. But a lot of times associated with that too is lack of finances as well. And so then my brain switches to how can I help you find the support that you need? If you feel like you have no one to talk to because of your finances, there are resources out there to be able to take care of your mental health, even without the finances available. So those are some of the keywords that I've heard that I'm like, "Mm, I think I'm not saying no to coaching. I'm saying you know, let's figure out what you need sooner rather than later and then go from there. And that, I love that. And, and you're blessed to have that, the OT background to where you do kind of have almost like that, that bodily reaction of like, nope, I know, you know, this is a liability. And, and again, it's not that we don't want to work with people who are suicidal or, but even in my own private practice, I, the telehealth aspect doesn't necessarily change anything, but it's more working from an, in an agency versus working alone in a private practice. Yeah. There's, excuse me, there's a whole different liability there. Right. And so I don't have a treatment team behind my back. All the shots are on me. And so I need to make sure that the level of care that I can provide and the support is relevant and, and, fit fair and justified for the person sitting in front of me Mm -hmm. and so even in sometimes in private practice if if it is a very active suicidal you know ideations or or with plans and intents and yeah we're going to want a higher level of care than even even a an outpatient you know private practice it's or even just an outpatient setting they'll probably say let's get you into a partial care program let's get you assessed at the hospital and that's not to say you know, to any of your listeners, don't ever open up about suicidal ideation. Right. No, no, that please open up because you're, you're gonna, you're, it's going to help you so much more. It might not feel that way in the moment, right? Because things are changing, right? We're worried about finances, worried about child's care, <clears throat> but you know, we're worried about how long it's going to take for us to, you know, quote unquote, get back to our lives. But you know, you're stepping up and standing up for yourself. And so it's okay to be in that dark place. We don't want to be there often. We don't want to be there long, but open up about that dark place. And and because your coach, your therapist, we're not mind readers. And so, you know, we, we want to be able to hold the space, but we want to hold it responsibly. And we want to make sure that we're meeting, meeting you where you are and the best way possible. Mm-hmm. Yes. I love that. It's definitely, it's true, right? We want to be able to hold it responsibly. That is the ultimate keyword there. And we do not read minds. And the last thing I would want to do ever is have someone who is in a suicidal place be like, that's just your thoughts, you know, like, <laughs> no, please be honest and raw. You know, and that's part of why my coaching style is very much like show up authentic and raw. And when you're in that emotion, like I will sit with you to feel it, but you've got to be honest with me. Like that is so 
big. And I think no matter if they're working with a therapist or coach, like that honesty and, and us knowing how to hold this space of maybe being respectful that not everybody's ready to share everything. And that's also okay. But, you know, it takes real strength to like share ourself. It, it really does. It takes, it takes a lot of strength to ask for help. And I think in whatever way you're asking for that help, it's, it's a big deal and you should be proud of yourself for being able to do that. It doesn't make you weak. It actually makes you very strong. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and it's okay if it, if sharing that doesn't, you know, align with the goals that you had originally signed up with and, you know, for, for treatment. And so it's okay. Right. Because this is very present. This is raw. And, and so we want to, we have to address it because those goals aren't going to matter, right? If if the the traumas and and the ideations and things get don't get addressed, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, so big. I'm trying to yeah. think of anything else PTSD related because I know like when my clients come to me and they have something that is traumatic, like I said, we address it different ways based on where they're at. But a lot of what I do is help them understand where it can be stemming from. And I do do the work to figure out, can you trace that back? Um, and remember like maybe where that's coming from, because what I find for a lot of my clients is that when they've felt that emotion, you know, our body kind of shuts down and says, I don't want to feel this again because it feels so scary. And sometimes they can't even remember why some of their current day behaviors or their current thought processes are, you know, they can't think of how they're related back to things that happened way back when. And I think that that is also a reason why knowing your state of mind, you know, going into coaching is so important too, because for me personally, as a coach, I do address a lot of those harder, more intimate things. And that's just because, you know, every coach is different. So I don't want anybody to assume that my style of coaching is everybody's style of coaching because it's not, but that for me was huge. When I started working with my coach, now that we're talking, I'm like internally giggling because I hired her to help me in an MLM (laughs) and to help me get to a rank that paid a lot of money. And then the next thing, you know, was on a zoom call, just like this, sobbing my eyes out about things that happened 20 years ago. (laughs) And you thought we're totally unrelated to an MLM. Yes. And she was probably like, what the actual, but no, she handled it so good because she did. She held the space for me so well and cried with me at times, you know, other women cried with me on those calls and I felt seen, I felt heard, but then it was like after a while, especially I remember it was probably right at the six month mark in an in-person event. And she was like, I'm going to tell you something that may really hurt your feelings and I will be respectful. If you don't want to hear it, I won't say it, but it will change your life. But if you're not ready for it, pretend I never said that, you know, and I was ready for it. So I was like, I know this is about to be painful, but I'm going to let her tell me, you know, and she just looked right in my eyes and she was like, you keep creating this pain because you cannot move through it. You are going to have to forgive. You are going to have to, like, you're really going to have to do the inner work of stopping the blame and taking radical responsibility for your own thoughts and feelings, not saying that they're wrong because they're not wrong. They're yours, right? But every time you put the blame on this other person, you're waiting for them to change to feel better. 
And if you're waiting for them to change to feel better, you're going to be waiting a long time because you've waited 20 something years and guess what? They haven't changed. And that hit me like a ton of bricks because I was like, yeah, you're right. They haven't changed. They're probably not going to change. So I can live the same experience the rest of my life, or I can just be comfortable getting in my body and healing this. And again, that's a very scary place to be. And I went on to work with other coaches that had a little bit more of like the trauma backgrounds or the um, spiritual healing or, you know, and, and I've even revisited a therapist in recent years. Like last year I went to one for something totally different. Um, but yeah, I think that we have to know ourselves and, and kind of advocate for ourselves too. When something feels heavy and we don't maybe feel like we're getting the full support we need, there's nothing wrong with finding those other people that may help to facilitate additional healing, whether that's a therapist or a coach. Yeah. Your, your manuals episode comes up for me when, you know, talking about like expecting other people to change and, you know, but they're living by their manual. And, and so you have to live, you know, recreate and, and live by your, your manual. And yeah. so that one was a, a really, you know, a, a game changer and <laughs> something I, I actively try and implement, but it's, you know, we have to remember, and I, I love everything that you said. I love, I love that your coach also gave you an opportunity to say no, mm-hmm. to hear the hard, you know, the hard truth. Right. And she gave you that opportunity to buckle up, right? Like mm-hmm. she's like, buckle up. Cause you're not probably going to like it. Yeah. And you know, she, she gave you that opportunity to say, Hey, this, this is might be a little bit more challenging to hear, but let me know if you want to hear it. Yeah. If not, we'll keep moving, moving forward. Right. And part of it could have been curiosity of like, no, 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 no. You already said it. Like, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not just speeding past that now, but I think again, you were also in a state of mind and, and a place of readiness mm-hmm. where you're like, yep, bring it on. Mm-hmm. You know, my seatbelt's on, I'm buckled up, ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. I think I had hit my, I call it sometimes with my clients, my line in the sand where I was just honestly tired of feeling miserable. I was also at that retreat. I don't know what it's called in the professional realm. Maybe, you know this, but when you grieve a loss of someone that has not died, like is there a uh, word for that? Yes. Oh, I just said this with the client the other day. Um, anticipate anticipatory grief. Okay. Right. So it, right. It's really not as fancy as, okay. <laughs> but right. But it is, it's just that like you're anticipating this to happen. Uh-huh. And so you're already going through those stages of grief without that person ever actually like dying or yeah. you losing them in some way, friendship, yeah. relationship. Yeah. Yes. And I think that's what, I, that was what I was going through at that retreat, but that was triggering for me when they're gone, this person that has a lot of stuff going on, they're going to be triggered. And then I'm going to be triggered. And it was like this domino effect of like, this has not even happened yet. My, my brain is telling me like all of this horrible stuff is about to happen and I'm about to freak out. Um, and with that being said, I think I got to a point where I was done living in that. Like I really truly was throwing out a, I need a lifeline. I need a lifeline. (laughs) I vividly remember my coach saying like, what I'm going to say may piss you off. So I need to know if you're going to be ready. And I was just like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Gonna hurt so bad, but yep. You can tell me. And, and it did. I cried. I'm not kidding you, Lena. I cried 
the entire rest of the day. Like she probably broke that to me at like two. I was still crying at seven while all the other women were getting coached and they're like, are you okay? And I'm like, once I start crying, I don't stop because I don't allow myself to cry. I'm holding in like eight months worth of frustration. I just like ride it out. And it was, it was powerful. I mean, I felt cleansed after that. I'm like, thank yeah. you. Jesus. But, are open. Yeah. 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 I don't know if for you, like you have almost like weeks that, that seems like everybody is kind of talking about the same thing. And I think now, now more than ever, because it's a collective experience, yeah. but it's one week I shared this quote with, I think like four or five clients and it's live more worry less. And it's from a, the find your mantra book, um, written by the founder of mantra band, Acel Ganar, but live more worry less. And it says, why worry? When we, when you worry about something, you suffer it twice, live more mindfully, fearlessly, and with an open heart. And so when you were saying, right, that anticipatory grief, it's like, you're already <laughs> bringing your body, bringing your mind, your physical body, you know, into the state of worry and, and the stages of grief only to just do it all over again, you know, when it actually happens. Yes. And so why, why do we do that to ourselves? Right. And I think that that both a, a, a clinician, a therapist and a coach can, you know, touch on that. Right. And, and the approach again, just like you said, coaches have different styles. Therapists absolutely have different styles of, of approaching certain things as well. You know, there are going to be clinicians that just let you vent and, and have the space and create the space and say, okay, you know, and I'll see you next week. Right. And, and that might be healing for some, right. And that's probably what you needed in the beginning. You needed someone to be quiet and just you spew out everything and then, you know, you zip back up and you move forward. Right. A book that is really popular and in trying to carve out lots of time being a mom, a stepmom, and, <laughs> you know, entrepreneur, it, it's, you know, trying to carve out some time to read more, but there is a book by uh, Bessel van der Kolk called The Body Keeps the Score. And it's all about the, the how trauma stays in the body, right? And so I remember when I was younger, there was a dog, we, we swam with dolphins, my cousin, it was a family vacation. And the instructor had, had said, be very gentle with the dolphins. You know, they're very sensitive animals. And, and so they, they remember, right? And so perfect example of the body keeps the score. We were all getting ready to pose with the dolphin. And, and I think my cousin like had jerked or something like he, you know, like hit into the dolphin, you know, again, whether it was on purpose or <laughs> accidental, <laughs> he, you know, yeah. questionable, but when then the dolphin swam away because it got startled. And then when, by the time he came back to us to pose with us, he, he arched away like a little bit further away from my cousin. And it was just a, a one-time occurrence of like that jerk motion that, you know, he didn't injure him, injure the dolphin, didn't hurt him, but you know, it, again, it, the, the dolphin remembered, right. And so the body keeps the score. So if someone's ever experienced any sort of uh, physical violence, right? Domestic abuse. Yeah. Someone moves too quickly or raises a hand too quickly. You might flinch, right? And, and you have reason to do so, right? And so again, you might not even recall maybe the last time that you physically experienced something like that, you were two, three, you know, or yelling, right? Maybe there was a lot of fighting in your household. So it's recognizing 
you know, and, and why people cry when they get yelled at, right? Like, that's me. I'm raising yeah. my hand over here, right? Like, you, I'm, everything's <laughs> coming up. I'm like, yep, I couldn't handle a teacher yelling at me. Like, no. not even me at a cl- in a classroom, if they would raise their voice, I was shutting down because I came from that trauma. You know, it was just like, I don't care who you're yelling at. My body is like, fight or fight, flee, get out of here. (laughs) I'm never coming back to school. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So being mindful of that. And so that's why it's so uh, crucial, right? That we, as the experiencers of trauma, right? And I'm not, uh, this is talking personally now, right? Not as a professional lens, but, you know, as the experiencers of trauma, we can't expect everyone else to know what our triggers are. We can't expect everyone else to adjust and tiptoe because it's a trigger for us. Yeah. You know, people closer to us, they might, you know, be more considerate about it, but we can't expect the stranger sitting at Starbucks to never cough or, you know, laugh really loud, or I don't know, you know, because, because that's triggering for us. And so that's why we have to do the work with a coach, with a therapist so that we can move throughout society and, and throughout our own daily living with a peace and a calm and, and responsibility. Oh my gosh. I'm over here, like internally about to jump out of my body. Praise Jesus. Praise the Lord. Yes. Cause that is, that's our work, right? That is exactly our work. We have to know how to feel safe in ourself. And again, that's what my coach was trying to say. Like every time you think of this thing and this person, you feel unsafe and you're waiting for them to change to feel secure in your body you're going to be waiting a very long time if they have no desire to change which they do not and that is not we don't need to change for anybody just like nobody needs to change for us when we come from trauma though we feel like yeah you need to change you caused all this stuff you need to be different you screwed me up so I'm going to need you to be different you know And when we can work through that, heal it, give ourselves grace, take all the time we need to do that because everybody's journey is so different. Like that's mental and emotional freedom, right? Like being able to sit in a space where maybe you hear that sound or you smell that smell or, and not crawl out of your skin. I was actually telling um, some of my clients on one of my recent coaching calls that there, the song, Hey Y'all, that outcast. <laughs> oh my gosh. I had a trauma with that song, like a very traumatic memory with that song. And I could not listen to it for like five years. Every time the first few notes would come on the radio, my heart was palpitating. My hands were sweating. I felt nauseous. I felt sick. I was just like, please, why do they play that song, you know, and be in immediate rage, just like anger and just, it was terrible. And it wasn't until I started to really like do the work and, and, you know, forgive and address what felt unsafe in me and address all the thoughts that were associated with that to be able to hear that song little bits at a time, you know, like little 10 second clips at a time, you know, now I can be in my car and jam and, and I don't have, I have the memory flashes through, but there's no emotion attached to it the way that there used to be. So it is, it's a process and we have to give ourselves grace working through those traumatic triggers and, and find the person that feels good to help us walk that path, whether it's PTSD or whatever else it is that we're experiencing. That's all that exposure therapy, right? Like exposing yourself responsibly, right? 
little bits a, at a time. And, and so we don't want to do that alone because it's freaking hard. And so we, you're not alone in this experience. And so, you know, we want to make sure that we have someone alongside us to, to guide us and, and be there when it gets extra difficult and extra challenging. And, you know, that closure, right? That closure, that freedom that you were speaking of, right? It's that closure has to come from with us. You know, it, it doesn't need to be a conversation to have with anybody else, right? But you have to resolve it, right? For yourself. Yes. Not involved in anybody else. Yes. Oh, amen. This has been amazing. I know. I'm so excited. I think everybody's going to enjoy this episode so much. And I think there's probably several other things along the lines of, I mean, gosh, what could we not talk about? Seriously, <laughs> staying on task is the hardest part, right? Because so many things can come up where it's like, oh, yeah, let's talk about that. What, what were we talking about recently? Like in a voice message, something that else that would have been a good topic. It was in one of our messages. I think just really defining the difference between coaching, like really doing a side-by-side -side comparison of coaching and therapy. And I was like, that's totally another episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No. And, and it, I love, you know, being able to talk to you and, and being able to connect and, you know, for allowing me this opportunity to share with all your listeners and so I appreciate every single one of you as well um and so a little gift that I want to give to you all is I created a um a guide or a worksheet that has a couple prompts that help just almost having that that safe processing place is, is what I called it and and so being able to jot jot down and process some of that that traumatic event for you or that emotion and, and being able to rank the emotion and having some additional thoughts and what you can do about it in the moment and, and, you know, using it to bring to your therapist or your coach, just so that you're like, okay, this happened to me. And so I, I, but I wrote about it. Right. And so you're not overwhelmed with, you know, I almost call it like that blank page anxiety, right? Like you open up a blank page of something and you're like, where do I even begin? You know? And so I think the first time that either people are like super ready to word vomit or like they are quiet as a mouse. So, you know, for my quiet of the mouse people, this will help you. And then for, for my word vomiters, it'll help you stay on target, so to speak, and compartmentalize with, with what we're trying to say. So that's, that's definitely, I'm more of the word vomiter. You couldn't tell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, with my therapist, I was like word vomit this hour or 45 minutes is not long enough. And God forbid, if it was 30 minutes, I was like, blah, 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 blah. like <laughs> I need more time, you know, but then when I got into coaching, I don't know what it was. I was like lock key vault, enter 28 layers just to get one answer like a lot of times my coach would, we zoomed like this, you know, in a group and she was reading body language 100% because she would be like, Macy, I see you in the upper corner up there spiraling. I can see the thoughts. I know you have something to say. Do you want to share it? And for like the first five weeks, I was like, nope, I'm great. <laughs> I'm really good. <laughs> and internally though, I had this thing like, why aren't you sharing? why, why? She just asked you, why didn't you share? And then finally week six, it was, it was on from there. I'm like, okay, here I go. Wow. But yeah. So I want to make sure people know how to get in contact with you. We are going to put Lena's information in the show notes so that you can connect. You can visit her website. You can see that she, she is talking about, 
I noticed on your website that you treat in New Jersey and Florida. Is that still mm-hmm. correct? Yep. Yep. Okay. New Jersey and Florida. So telehealth. <laughs> <laughs> still message me because you never know where I am in, <laughs> in, in the practice. Um, right now at the time of recording, I am full, but I have a wait list, which, you know, is, is pretty short at this moment. So, you know, it's possible. Um, it's just trying to create space for myself so that I don't burn out. Right. And really right. make sure. Right. And so that's a lesson to, to everyone, right. We're human too. Right. So I hope that even this conversation, here we go, getting off track again, but you know, <laughs> this conversation shows that we're, we're human and we're, we're just as real as you are. And, and so it's recognizing, you know, I have to create that space for myself, but absolutely reach out. I'm working on a social media game. I, I, you know, I, I have my Instagram, <laughs> So, you know, again, carving out some time to, to do things that I enjoy. And then also, you know, and I enjoy social media. It's just, there's a lot that goes on there. So (laughs) we have to have boundaries with social media or we will burn out. I think any of us, whether, (laughs) no matter what your profession, mom life, not mom life, like social media can be very overwhelming and it can be toxic too, for taking in way too much. So just a side note, again, getting off track, but watch your energy with it. Cause I definitely have to have some breaks where my brain physically feels like it hurts because mm-hmm. it's just way too much. So me too, but absolutely, you know, screenshot the episode tag, tag us on Instagram, you know, shoot me an email, whatever, however you want to connect. I'm, I'm available. Beautiful. All right. Well, Lena, thank you so much for being my first guest. Now the fun part comes of <laughs> downloading and <laughs> editing and and just doing like because I'm not going to take anything out of this I think it is has been a beautiful conversation it's just going to be a matter of the audio being good and figuring out how to convert the file but you know what guys we'll figure it out we will figure it out (laughs) yes it'll all work out and I look forward to having you back on here as a guest in the future thank you so much for your time and guys make sure you check out Lena and check out the show notes so you don't miss anything Thank you, everyone. Take care. Bye. Hey, girl. Did you know there's a place for you to continue this work outside of the podcast? Well, there is, and it's called Becoming Her. This is my online and ongoing coaching container for self-mastery. Everything takes place online and is the best value for your investment if you're wanting to work with me. This is for women that want to create lasting change by learning how to master themselves, their energy, their mindset, and how to do the deep inner work. It's a growing community where you're supported for life with live online trainings, access to all previously recorded content, and two one-on-one coaching calls with me per month. It's an investment where you can rest assured you'll have everything you need at your fingertips and where there's one primary goal, becoming your highest self. If this has been something you're looking for, join us and be a part of the growth. You can find out more information on macyrenee.com.